How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Bill Alexander with you on a Thursday evening. Hard to believe January 3rd, 2019 already. Hope everything's going fine for you. And on the phone this evening, we have a guest. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. She said yes when I met her a few months ago at a uh, a uh, uh, event that happened in Duquesne's campus. The Society of Professional Journalists, Sally Wigan, was one of the guest speakers. And on the phone right now, I have Sally Wigan. Sally, how are you doing this evening? Fine, thank you. Happy to be happy to be on your show. I, I'm really grateful that you're with me this evening. I've always wanted to talk to you, and since you've retired, I have so many questions for you, and hopefully we'll be able to get to most of them tonight um, before you have to leave. So, Sally, before I get started with my questions, for my audience that's not in the Pittsburgh region, can you give me a little bit of background of who you are, where you worked, and where you came from? Oh, um, oh, God, who am I? I, 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 I That's always the uh, toughest well, question. Yeah, well, um, um, huh, I was a, um, for, um, I'm a broadcast journalist. Um, I didn't, uh, I came to Pittsburgh in, um, well, actually, it was the end of February 1980. Um to uh, take a job at WTA television. Um, I came here with, at the time, uh, my husband. I came from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I had gotten a job there, um, um, oh God, it would have been three years before, um, um, in both radio and then later in television. Um, And uh, I'm not from the South. I was born in Michigan, and all of my family on both sides are from New England, and then and then my father's family eventually to New York, uh, Manhattan. So uh, we moved to Alabama from Kalamazoo, Michigan, when I was uh, six, and, and then my father died when I was fourteen, and my mother stayed there to be around um, his uh, coworkers. Uh, she should have gone back to New England. It was uh, a difficult time um, if you were a Yankee to live in the South. Uh, in the late 50s, early 60s, and the 60s. Uh, it was a very tumultuous period. But anyway, so I ended up here in Pittsburgh um, um, and um, became the weekend anchor nine months after I arrived. And um, I have and, and, and continued to work at WTAE, the ABC affiliate in Pittsburgh um, until um, officially November 30th of um um this year um but 
uh, my, that was my official retirement date. But I actually had to work about four or five days to finish up uh, my last uh, my last project, which was um, part of the Chronicle series of documentaries. It was, I think, I think in all we did twenty or twenty one. I can't. I, I'm not sure, but it was uh, that was over a period of time starting in. 2013, officially August, um, and then ended then. And um, I'm um, uh, um, during that period when I came here in 1980. Pittsburgh was the uh, tenth largest market. A couple of years, several years before, it had been as large as I think nine. Um, I, I don't know if it was ever eight, but um, when I arrived, maybe I brought bad luck with me, but uh, <laughs> heavy, heavy manufacturing in Western Pennsylvania um, began to die. And, um, and the market, um, I came here like at the beginning of March, the census came out, I think in March, uh, and Pittsburgh had fallen from 10, out of the top 10, from 10 to 11. I think um, Dallas pushed it out, or was it Houston? Uh, I, I think it was Dallas, maybe it pushed it out. Isn't that um, funny? I'm just looking at a, um, the um, logo for the uh, Houston Texans, <laughs> the football team. Um, uh, the Texans, actually. I don't think it's called the Houston Texans. I think they just call themselves. But anyway, um, and so it began to drop. Um, uh, by the time I, I became the 6 o'clock anchor in 1986, November, um, and then two years later I became the 6 and the 11 anchor. And for a short time I was the 5 o'clock anchor and... Um, Actually, it was an hour from five to five, six at the time. And for a short time, I anchored that show. Um, um, and uh, I think probably through 90, 93, maybe 90, I don't know, for about a year I did all of them and then went back to the six and the 11. And I anchored the six until 2008. And uh, September, and I had started doing the noon news when I came off the 11 in 2004. So I did the noon and the six up until 2008, and uh, then just did the noon until I think uh, it was about 2013. And then uh, Chronicle and um, this black and gold prime time originally was called Steelers prime time until 2006, and then the the uh, rights to that w w went to um, KDKA because they had the right, you know, they, they right. uh, were the Steeler station. So we couldn't call ourselves Steelers. We couldn't use the word Steelers. But I began, became the co-host of our Steelers specials, which started in 1993. And uh, I continued through a number of other co-hosts. Uh, Tony Zarella was, we were the first team. And that lasted until about 1995. Uh, Andrew Stockey became the next host. And then he, that was for quite a while, actually, probably 96, 2006, probably about 10 years. And then I think the next person was um, John Burton. And then at one point, but anyway, so I had a number of hosts. And then it went back to being Andrew and Guy at the last several years. And uh, the only reason I had gone into the that I had gone into the business 
was to do sports casting. Um, I did not study journalism, uh, broadcast journalism in college, not in undergrad and not in graduate school. My, my uh, undergraduate degree was in um, history and my master's from the University of Michigan was in Asian studies. And I decided um, the path that was before me was academia and getting a doctorate. And uh, at the time, I, it, it, I didn't want to do that. And um, I wanted to be a sports writer. Actually, I wanted to be a zoologist, but that was my freshman year. And I realized I was going to have to take calculus and statistics. And I said, I said, no, animals will be my, you know, my passion, but not in college. And so I gave that, that dream up. And uh, and then I had been an AAU swimming coach and loved sports and had watched football, baseball, golf, and with my family since I was a little girl and decided I wanted to write about sports and then thought, ah, I would, you know, I, maybe, maybe that would be really hard because you'd have to write all the time. And then a friend of mine said, why don't you try television? So I never really wanted to be on television. It just seemed easier than writing for a magazine or a newspaper. And um, 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 uh, so I, I so I, I ended up. Um, um, somebody heard my voice in the, the small Alabama town where my mother still was residing. I was a receptionist at a radio station. And um, they heard my voice in Birmingham, Alabama, which was the largest city in Alabama. And that was 1977. And uh, they asked for a picture. What that has to do with radio, I don't know. And without any, any courses in journalism, I was offered a job as a street reporter. And they said that they would train me. And that's how I got my first job. And the person who heard my voice became a very famous sports personality named Tony Bruno. Uh, the first the first Golic show uh, was on radio uh-huh. on ESPN and it was called uh, was called Bruno and Golic. And uh, but it was that that guy Tony Bruno who was working in Birmingham. Isn't that funny I was about to say Birmingham Bulls and just I'm watching my Xfinity, you know the the picture you have that comes on all these wonderful and it said Bulls on it. Isn't that odd that I was going to say the word <laughs> Bulls and that just popped up there? Well, you talk about uh, talk about synchronicity, but anyway, so that is that has taken up what about ten minutes. <laughs> That's the whole story of how I got into this business and how I ended up in Pittsburgh. So, the interesting thing about it is in, in Alabama, if you only worked for uh, one TV station, then made the jump to Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, and that's unusual. Well, yeah, I was I was very fortunate. Um, some people would say it was luck. Some people would say it was just that maybe I was good. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, um, I was going to go back and get a degree because um, I was comfortable with a- academia. Right. I was going to go back and get a degree in journalism, uh, broadcast journalism, and um, um, and so. Um, that's when the voice they heard that I was not going to go in that direction. And then, then when I got offered this job, I thought, well, I'm going to learn on the job. One of the things I did, I, I went to uh, uh, a college bookstore and looked up the, the books that were part of the curriculum for broadcast journalism. And I read them. 
I would watch uh, television news and I would tape it on a reel-to-reel tape recorder and I would listen to the stories and how they structured them. And uh, doing radio actualities, you know, where you have a tape and you feed it over a, a, a phone and then there'd be a sound bite within it, like a 20-second sound bite. God, if you asked me to do it now, I would never know how to, to do it, where you turn, you plug something in, you screw the, the phone off, and then you plug something into right. the tape recorder, and you speak into it, and then you turn on the tape recorder, and it's queued up. God, I, have, I would have <laughs> no idea how to do it now, for, for, for God's sakes. But uh, um, um, anyway, um, yeah, it was... Um, so it started out, I, I got the job in Birmingham. I worked in radio for a year and a half. Then I worked for just a little over a year in television. I had gone to the TV station, and, and Birmingham was the 48th largest market. So it was not a small market. A lot of people in this region, I know, get started in Steubenville or you know, or, or Altoona, or, which are smaller markets. And Birmingham was a medium-sized market. And um, I was very fortunate. I, because I had a presence in radio, they knew who I was. And I asked to work there part-time, just helping write for the weekends. I wasn't on air. Within three months, they offered me a part-time job on the air. Oh, and they wow. told me they would teach, yeah, they would teach me how to do it. And, um, uh, and then... Very shortly thereafter, was it three months? I was there on weekends, and they uh, uh, and I would two days a week. I would do a story, and then very quickly after that, they offered me a full time job, and I took a pay cut, a huge pay cut from radio, to to become a street, a street reporter. And then I think, I think in six months, they offered me the weekend anchor job. It was it was because um, I was only there for about a year and four months, and then so you made the jump to Pittsburgh very quickly. Well, what happened is the um, WLS, the ABC O and O, uh, owned and operated by the network in Chicago, asked for a tape. Okay, and I sent it to them, and they sent back a letter saying that you know that that it was good, but I needed more work, and um, I think because they thought that I was in that size market that I had more experience than I did. Um, um, and then um, I got a, uh, uh, and I had no agent at the time, and I, I got a phone call from um, Miami. So I went for an interview in Miami, and one of the guys who was a reporter there who talked to me very honestly about what to expect about living in Miami and working for WPLG, which was the name of the station, uh, um, was a guy named Steve Croft. Do you know who that is? I know the name, yeah. He's on 60 Minutes. Am I pronouncing his last name right? I believe believe so. I think it's Croft is what it is, yeah. And it's Steve, right? Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, God, he's been in movies now. He's so famous. And, yeah, he was... He was moving from WPLG to become the um, CBS uh, reporter for that part of the country. He was going to becoming a news reporter, and he, you know, skyrocketed um, to the top. And you know, now is is is, is you know, a mainstay of sixty minutes. So uh, yeah. So anyway, um, 
And at the same time that I was considering that, that was going to be, they wanted me for an 11 o'clock um, featured reporter who would be on set every night. And I had been weekend anchoring, and I really wanted to continue doing that. So I didn't tell them yes. And then I was, um, I was, uh, I, I was asked for tapes by Pittsburgh, by the Pittsburgh station. Uh, came for an interview, um, and then they, at the same time, I was, I was testing for an anchor job in Louisville, Kentucky, and I did an audition there, and this was all happening at the same time. And then I was, um, so um, um, I was coming up here to sign a contract to Pittsburgh, um, and they were flying me up, and um, I was, um, well, I was in the lobby, um, Atlanta, which was a sister station of the Louisville station, had seen my tape, and just by seeing the tape, offered me the weekend anchor job while I was standing, while I was standing in the lobby of WTA, and um, so I uh, went upstairs and told the uh, head of news for Hearst at the time, Hearst had seven, I think seven stations, or at least five stations. I think it was five at the time. But Pittsburgh was the largest, and it was the, it was the, the founding station. Uh, um, and um, I, um, I was, um, Franklin Snyder was the head of Hearst Broadcasting, and John Connemikes was the uh, general manager of the station. And um, I told them I, I was inclined to accept the Atlanta offer, and they talked me into choosing Pittsburgh. And so the, the, I hate to use the cliche, the rest is history, but it's true. You know, it, it, there was an, and, and then actually, coincidentally, five, um, about, about a couple of weeks later after I had, um, it, actually it was a week later, um, um, the man who had tried to hire me as an assistant news director in Miami had become the news director at WDIV in Detroit. At the time, Detroit was the, um, I think, the uh, sixth largest market in the country, and I apologized and said that I'd already, um, I had already accepted a job, and then he cropped up again in 1986. I had been passed over to be the main anchor, the, the first woman six o'clock anchor in Pittsburgh for a woman named Collie Needles, <laughs> and so and 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 I had I had a, a wonderful agent uh, who's been my agent ever since. Uh, named Carol Cooper. Uh, she was with NS Beanstalk. Uh, uh, now it's it's they merged with UTA, which is one of the largest talent agencies in in, in the world, mm-hmm. but in, in this country. And um, and anyway, at the time, and she there was an out in my contract that if they passed me over, that I could after eighteen months I could leave. And so I uh, was being interviewed for a noon news anchor job at WCBS. It was going to be their first noon news in a long time. And it, it was going to be a debut, and I had made the final three uh, of, a, um, I guess, a nationwide search. And, um, uh, and at the same time, they, uh, they parted ways after six months with this woman, Colleen Needles, and they offered me the job. And I accepted it instead of keeping myself in the running. Um, I was told that I was the general manager's favorite, uh, but the man who wanted to in, wanted me to be part of that three was, his name was Steve Wasserman. He was the same news director in Detroit and the assistant news director in Miami. He had become the news director of WCBS. 
And um, I often wonder if I kept myself in the running because when I took myself out of the running, it basically said to my agent that I wasn't interested in 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 climbing the ladder and getting bigger. And uh, it, looking back, I won't say it was a mistake, but I wonder. I, I've in a couple of the interviews that I've done since. As, as I was retiring, in one of them I said, I, I will always wonder what would have happened if I'd done that. Because at the time I was very shy and very um, insecure, and I didn't think I could do it. I was terrified. And my mother was still alive, and I was very new to recovery. Um, I was um, an addict, primarily alcohol. Uh, I mean, I would say mostly alcohol. Um and uh, I had, like I said, I'd only been in recovery for two years. And I think she was nervous and she, you know, transmitted that to me. And so it made me. So I, I, I chose to stay in Pittsburgh and show them that they were wrong in passing over me in the first place. Okay. And so, uh, and also I had a boyfriend here that I was hoping to marry. And it was safer. It was safe to stay in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm glad I did it because I don't think I would have been it have been able to cover sports as well as news like I did in Pittsburgh because I eventually covered two Stanley Cups. Right. And hockey actually was the first sport I learned to cover. Uh, Tony taught me when I was in Birmingham. I, 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 I knew football from my husband, and I knew baseball, and I had played softball. Okay. Uh, um, but anyway, so that's that takes me to now. That is literally the history of everything. Uh, between not everything, but that, that's the whole timeline, everything that happened that takes me to now where I'm sitting here retired. I've chosen not to move. I considered moving to Chicago, uh, Chicago, excuse me, to Colorado, where one of my best friends who, who used to work here, she lives there with her husband and daughter. And um, instead I chose to stay here because my doctors are here. Okay. And They've done a good job at keeping me alive. I've uh, got some pretty serious illnesses and have had them since I was um, um, since I was in my um, well. One of them was diagnosed when I was in my thirties. The, the, the heart disease was that was the autoimmune system disease, mm -hmm. and they thought it was lupus. And it they it never was lupus, but it 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 was relatively serious and and was one of the diseases that contributed to my heart disease that was diagnosed when i was uh, uh, 48 i had a i had a um an ischemic or um uh, flat out so it was a heart attack actually i had a heart attack in march of 2001 um uh, so i was i was actually 48 at the time so and it damaged my heart okay so um yeah so I mean, a lot of people, I, I think it's coincidental that you were no longer doing the black and gold specials and the Steelers didn't make the playoffs this year. So I think there's a correlation there somewhere. I hope not. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, 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 when was the last time they, when was the last time they didn't make the playoffs? Uh, under Tomlin. Under Tomlin. It's been the last five know. or six years, somewhere around there. Yeah, it's before. I hate to think that that was it was that. Oh my God! Uh, uh, did someone else say that to me today? I think somebody else said it. Um, um, oh my God! I can't remember what it was. Um, um, 
maybe it was that. Maybe someone else had said that to me today. So um, I feel awful. I hope it was. No, it isn't me. <laughs> I doubt it's you, sake. but you know, we don't have. I don't. I uh, uh, those kinds of coincidences. That's just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, um, yeah, it was. Um, I, I, I was about to say I'm really glad that. I did stay because in another market, in a larger market or at the network, I mean, I had been, my agent has said, you can do be a, a domestic correspondent now. She said, you know, and she said, but if you want to do foreign correspondent work, and back in the 80s, they still had foreign correspondents all over the country, all over the world. Right. And then, and then when... You know, cable and and uh, remotes and everything changed uh, how large uh, um, network news was. Um, they cut back on that, and so. But she had said that I would have to put in my time as a domestic correspondent in one of the bureaus, like Steve Croft did, and and I just was too again too scared to do that. And that was before I was offered the anchor job. She was, we were talking about things in directions in which I could go, and I was just, like, terrified. And, and I said, oh, well, I would have to be moving around a lot. But it was just that I was scared. I mean, for someone who's in this business on camera, I was frightened and shy so much of the time. It took a long time before I became um, um, somewhat confident. And, and still to this day, I had, did a voiceover today for uh, um, um, for a, a large uh, entity in town, and I was terrified. Not terrified, that's an ex- but I was nervous that I wouldn't do it right okay. or that I wouldn't be good enough. And so I don't think that will ever leave me. And I think... I think it has held me back. It, it, in some cases, it motivates people. In my case, it's, um, it, it, it's, I've always been afraid to put myself out there. And so um, it, it, it always um, surprises me that I succeeded as much as I did, as, as self-destructive as I've been most of my life. What I think is interesting, a lot of people I've talked to over the years that have worked in radio or television say the same thing, that they have a, a, a poor self-esteem. And it's just interesting that whenever you're on TV or when you're in the public eye, you don't come across that way. You come across very confident, very secure in your well in who you are, which is, I guess, makes you very good at what you do. Even to this day, you've been doing it for so many years. I, I think, um, God, I mean, it is true, and and and, and a lot of people who do, who are in the public eye do have that kind of. Uh, um, but I I didn't start out wanting to be on TV, and so many of the, the young people I meet today say they they the first thing, you know, when you see them when they're, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, even in the high school, they say, "What do you want to do? I want to be on TV." No, you want to be a journalist. Right. You don't want to be on TV. But um, um, yeah, it was it was um, um, it, it's oh god! I just thought of something I wanted to correct because I was oh 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 when you, when people ask what you really wanted to be, the one thing I always thought that I would be is uh, um, a wife and mother. I got the wife thing, but right. that didn't last for very long. Mercifully, I, I don't mean I when I say mercifully because it was it was not a good marriage, and uh, and very quickly after that, I was in um, um, I was in a relationship with 
a young man for eight years. And, um, you know, I, I hoped at, at one point to have a family, and he's one of the reasons I stayed here. And then it, 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 um, it ended, and uh, it's basically my fault. And um, so I always kept thinking that I would, um, if not have children of my own, that I would be a stepmother. And, and then I came close a couple of times, and two of the girls from uh, one of my engagements, there were more than one, um, 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 I'm still I'm still close to, um, and so I, I I have that, and I have a wonderful godchild, uh, whose mother I used to work with at Channel Four, but that was what I really wanted more than anything is, is to be married and have children, and uh, and I ended up doing what I'm doing and having and doing all of these appearances with nonprofits because that became my family mm-hmm. simply by default because I didn't have the family that I wanted to through some bad choices on my part, not bad people, but bad choices for me. Right. And, and, uh, I'm still friendly with most of these guys. Um, um, you know, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how, and, and, and there was a wonderful article uh, done, there are two great articles that have been done, one by um, Kate Benz in Pittsburgh Quarterly, uh, it's the, the winter, winter edition, uh, where she talks, she asked me questions about that because she was fascinated that there was this impression of me out there that's, that's you know, so far from the truth about who I really am and what I really wanted. And uh, and the second and 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 the second article was done by Maria Shilo in uh, the Post Gazette, and um, which was which focused on some other things, the the importance my mother had in shaping uh, how I felt about civil rights growing up in Alabama, and uh, and gave me my sort of an activist conscience at that time in my life. So. And, and, and the thing is, is that I, I, like a lot of people, thought we knew who you were, and I saw you at the SPJ event that happened in October, and met you, talked to you, wonderful conversation, and then a couple of weeks ago, you were on Lynn Cullen's program, and I'm watching it, well, I have students in my room, which I shouldn't have been, but <laughs> I was watching it, and there was stuff there that I never realized, like you said, that the 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 uh, issue you dealt with alcohol. We never knew that. I mean, the- well, we see. Here, here's the thing. It, it's so funny. It's not funny. Um, um, I I I was I was hes- I wasn't ashamed of talking about it. Um, and when I went into my this is my third round of sobriety. Um, um, I've been I've been clean for um, since December 2012, um, and that was the first time I had said it once at a, at a, at a, a speech. Oh God, it was in Indiana County, so I, I felt that I was pretty safe. Okay, uh, and um, and my friends knew it, but I had. Um, I was in recovery for eight years from from December '83 until um, eight years later, and then um, I started dating somebody. He wasn't he wasn't an alcoholic, but he drank, and I was so shy that I started drinking again. Uh, it helped with the shyness, and bang, I was back in it uh, fairly quickly, and um, 
I stopped after about a year and a half and, uh, and was sober again for five years. And then I met somebody, uh, and the same thing happened. And it was someone I was really, I was really shy and intimidated. And, um, and then that lasted a long time. That was harder to shake. And that started to progress. It, it took about five or six years, but then it started to really progress. And uh, I was back to, um, 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 it never affected my job because by the time uh, uh, I was doing the new news and reporting, by the time it was beginning to affect me, uh, but it was, I was usually what you call um, a binger on weekends, uh, but it was becoming clear that what the social drinking I thought that I was doing was beginning to migrate to the kind of drinking I had done mm-hmm. for for 12 years from college until I quit in 1983. Um, so, um, um, yeah, that was, that was like 12 years. And so, um, so I quit again, but I did it by, um, going public. I backed my, I figure if I backed myself in a corner, at the Gateway Rehabilitation Gala that I was emceeing, if I just stood up there and said, good evening, hi, I'm Sally Wigan and I'm an addict. The reason I say addict is I'm an alcoholic, but when I was in, in, in college, there was a solid year where I was addicted to amphetamines. At the time, they said that amphetamines were only psychologically addicting. Now, I think they've changed their opinion about them now. You can become addicted to amphetamines. Um, I was taking them to study, and then I just started to take them because I liked how it felt. Right. So, um, yeah. So, but but going back to the thing about social media, and it's so funny. I haven't done social media for almost a month. It's been yeah. Um, and I went. I went when the retirement happened. I started answering, and then I just got tired. And I thought, well, I'll do it next week. Well, I'll do it next week. Well, it's been almost a month, and I have to sit down this weekend. And I'm going to attempt to go through everything, Instagram, um, Facebook, and, and Twitter, and answer all of these nice well-wishers and the not-so-nice ones. Uh, um, and it may take me two days to do it, but I'm going to. And I, I'm going to try to use social media a little bit more. But whereas a lot of people on television have been really open with their lives, I mean, very intimate parts of their lives, I didn't, it wasn't that I was ashamed, just like I didn't go into detail about my heart disease, which uh, I'm very blessed, I'm better, but there was a period that I, I, I had a transplant nurse say to me, aren't you terrified about what's, what's wrong with your heart? And I said, uh, I said, um, yeah, I said, there are times that I think when I go to sleep tonight, am I going to wake up? And uh, yeah, the first the first several years were kind of tough. Um, my whole life changed, and there wasn't there wasn't a moment that I didn't think about my heart and what was wrong with it, and how many different things were wrong with it. Not just one, not just two, but but you know, at, at this point, I have five. And then I had a, a TIA um, a year a year and two months ago. Okay. In front of in front of twelve hundred people, TIA is a, a, a um, mini stroke. Attack. Yeah, it's a mini stroke. Yeah, 
and uh, and and uh, and I have something called small vessel disease in my brain that was diagnosed. Uh, um, I was diagnosed. I guess it'll be two years ago in February. Um, uh, it's mild, but uh, small vessel disease is the second leading cause of dementia. But I can stop it where it is. And now they've done a recent study that shows that both diet, healthy diet, and exercise can reverse can reverse dementia. So I'm, I'm, I'm that's that's what my retirement is going to be doing. Bill is trying to is trying to reverse that. But that, some of the small vessel disease is probably because of my alcoholism. Okay. Some of it is some of it is probably because of my uh, um, autoimmune system disease. Because one of one of the kinds of heart disease I have is small vessel disease. The um, the those small tiny capillaries at the bottom of your large vessels, like the LAD, the left anterior descending artery, half of those little vessels were dead, are dead. And uh, um, that, that's part of the heart disease. The other thing is I have something called cardiomyopathy. Uh, you know, you hear people say enlarged heart, my left ventricle is enlarged. Um, um, and, for, and so for a while, it was... Um, I, um, it was kind of dicey, um, um, but now my heart's gotten stronger, and it started getting stronger when I stopped drinking. Yeah, um, not to not to not to um, beat the drum, but there's just a, there was a recent um, article in CNN talking about the five most addicting drugs, and guess what number five was? Alcohol. Yep. Yeah. And in an accompanying article, there was just a recent study uh, that was um, paid for by the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that appeared in Lancet, I think, which is, is that the British medical journal? I can't remember. Um, but anyway, it's a medical journal saying that there isn't, that globally there is not any positive reason for uh, to drink alcohol. Nice. That they... That's interesting. Re- I wouldn't realize that. They've re- yeah, they've re- restudied it. That that any any benefits of moderate drinking uh, cardiovascularly or in 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 trying to uh, prevent type two diabetes are over over uh, um, um, are canceled out by the risk of cancer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, researchers have known for a long time that that. Drinking more than three drinks a week increases your risk of a lot of cancers. Which is interesting because every once in a while we have the studies about how wine's good for you, how beer's good for you, yeah. and yeah. and again, who, who's producing those this, studies? This, yeah, yeah. This this study, this comprehensive study says, uh, is no, no. And 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 uh, it's interesting. So go online and look at it. Of course, everybody's going to tell me to shut up because I mean, everybody I know. Well, not everybody I know drinks, but um, um, it's um, it 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 just. I'm perfect. I, I'm. There's no question in my mind. The number one. Both my parents had heart disease. My mm-hmm. my my maternal grandfather died at 44 of a of a heart attack. Uh, uh, my father died of cardiac arrest uh, when he was 50. He just collapsed and died. I never saw it. I never saw him again. He walked out the door to get a bicycle, you know, tire filled with air, and I never saw him mm-hmm. again. Um, 
Um, so I was, I, I, I kind of was doomed, but the way I live my life didn't help. Right. And I, you know, I, I keep waiting to be diagnosed with cancer because I did drink so much, but the way that it hit me was, was my heart. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, I've been very blessed and, uh, but it, it, it's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's not easy because when you're an addict, if you stop one thing, it pops out in others. Okay. For instance, I've 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 um, I've booked five international trips this year. Holy cow! To the point where, well, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's classically classically impulse driven, you know, addiction. It's classic addict. Okay. And so now one of them, I'm probably going to have to swallow and. And, and cancel it because it's interfering with another one. Mm-hmm. And in some, some of them I'm actually going to be working, doing, um, doing pieces and, you know, videos and editing them about, you know, places where concert, animal, you know, wildlife conservation is going on. And um, so. Did I hear that you were of, going to be doing that for National Geographic? No, 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 no. No, okay. no, I, I'm, I'm, um, no, I, I, I am going to be doing some pieces for our zoo okay. because people are, I don't think people are aware that we're involved with conservation projects in a number of countries. And, and, and that's what zoos, zoos are now a repository for um, messaging about the danger our um, biodiversity is in on our planet and the fact that Without biodiversity, there's so many things about the planet that are are are, are going to be threatened. Um, um, we just really know how to screw things up. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I, I I don't know if anybody's ever seen the the animated film that was just brilliant called Wally. Yes, but um, <laughs> I it's, it's not that far away. So, uh, um, so anyway, that's one of the things that I, I want to uh, um, want to be involved with. So, well, Sally, it, we're hitting uh, ten forty-five right now. I appreciate oh my God. it. I know, and and I, I haven't even got to ask you any of the questions I wanted well, no, to. No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead, and ask me some questions really quickly. <laughs> Just fire a couple, and I'll try to keep my answers. Because the thing is, we could do this again and make it part two. I'd be more than happy to do that too. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you came to Pittsburgh, who was the first anchor you worked with the, that you were evening anchor with? Shoot. I think it was Rod Daniels. Yeah. Who became who? Uh, yeah, it was Rod Daniels. Mm-hmm. It okay. was Rod Daniels. And he left after about a year and a half. Just, you know, kind of quit the business. And then he wanted to get back in and Hearst hired him back and he became their anchor in Baltimore and became just just a fixture in the uh, Baltimore broadcast uh, landscape. And what you're seeing right now in local media, in no matter which of the three that you may be looking at, does it look the same when you started or is it something totally different than when when you got into the business? Oh, it basic. I mean, it looks the same. It's, 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 I mean, what we cover is different or what they cover is different. Um, we rarely covered a car accident unless it was a horrible fatal. We, re- we never covered a fire unless it was fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we didn't, we didn't cover convenience store robberies. 
I'm not saying that a convenience store robbery isn't a frightening thing for, you know, a victim and, and, and for a community. But we didn't do that kind of news. We did. Uh, um, and, and now it's funny. When I started in television in Birmingham, our pieces were a minute 10. Now everybody's screaming because the pieces are a minute 10 again. But they used to be a long time ago. When I came here, when I first got here, I was so shocked that they would let our pieces be a minute 45. Then they started getting longer, and they'd be two minutes, 2.30. Now you, you kind of have a mix, but you, you don't see features much anymore um, in, in local news. Um, and um, and they're, they're, sometimes the story count now is becoming more important again. I, I, I have to tell you, I don't really watch it much. Um, quite frankly, I watch, <laughs> I watch so much sports. It's not funny. I mean, the, I, I, I watch a lot of ESPN, um, a lot of ESPN. And, uh, when I'm working during the day, I, I do, I have ESPN or mm-hmm. ESPN two on and, uh, um, and I listen to sports talk radio. Um, it's so funny. I, 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 do listen to national news, but I read it more, right. and and I, and I read the local papers. You know, I, I, I watch I watch news somewhat, but I'm really not around between five and six thirty. Um, I, I'm not in my house. I'm not anywhere usually during those hours where I can see anything. You you made the comment about the pieces getting longer. Do you blame that because there's so many newscasts now that that that's all local stations are producing? is local news, so they're trying to make the ad revenue any way they can, and the only way they can do it is by oh, getting actually, these stories. No, the, the, pieces, the pieces are not longer now. They're shorter. Oh, okay. They're, making, they're having a higher story count. No, there was a period where they were longer, but now they're not because of attention span. Okay. And because, because they're trying to make it, and, and, and many of the stations, what is really different is it, it's so important uh, to have a, a, a um, an internet, a web presence. Your website for your station is really important, and 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 also there's a lot of pressure on the on air talent and on reporters to have a social media presence, and they are encouraged to talk about their personal lives on social media, which um, I'm I'm. And maybe it's I'm old fashioned. You know, I, I didn't I waited until I was retired before I and I still haven't gutted myself. Right. Um, um, like I put the links to the the article in um, the Pittsburgh Quarterly in because I wanted to compliment the authors. Uh, they did a, an ama- both both women did an amazing job. And 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 the. Um, and the woman who did the, the uh, interview with me on the on the trip uh, the trip um, website uh, did a great job and asked me some fabulous questions. And so, uh, yeah, they all did a, they all did a great job. Yeah, I it, it it's different, but it's the same. It's really when you say it's so much different now, it's not. Yeah, I, I think sometimes. Um, I think it's interesting that in these um, broadcast journalism, these communication, they call them communication schools, uh, really popped up all over the country in the past 15, 20 years. 
um, so so every university had a communication school where you would do an internship in a television station. And I think that um, that what's happened, which is interesting, and I'm not quite sure the reasons, probably 65 to 70 percent of the students now in communication schools and universities are women. So if you if you look you know at at the number of reporters who are women on television stations now, they they outnumber the men. I, I think probably uh, um, I won't say substantially, but they do at least locally. I can I tell you, and that's I can because, tell you why. That's because, that's because well, some people are saying it's because it doesn't pay that much, and and. So so women, it, they often say that once once a um, once women tend to dominate, it's it's an assertion that's been made uh, um, by activists that once women dominate a field, the pay you know goes really low, mm-hmm. and then it just it it, it it then and then that feeds on itself, and it's this this still the the um, because of women staying home with children. There still is the model of the man needs to be the breadwinner or make more money, right. which is not true anymore. That is changing substantially. And, and in most households, both parents work. But, uh, but, but there is that impression, I think. I, I don't – I actually haven't really done – I haven't read – anything recently about uh, the dominance of women in communication well, schools? Since that's what I teach on the high school level and the, the, the mm-hmm. young ladies that I have, the reason they're so prominent is they're more detailed oriented. And they're willing that's to, they're willing to stick well, with then, something. But, but how, how can you, how, wait, wait, but how can you explain engineers? Oh, uh, I can't. Engineering is still a dominated <laughs> right. male. It's still a male dominated field. So I'm not so sure. I'm not sure that plays. I'm not. But uh, uh, they may. They may be when it comes to interviewing people. Yes. They may be more adept at interviewing and soliciting information from people. Because I think. I mean, I went to. I went to a school locally, have my degree in communications, and I went back on masters in ed. But when I got when I got my degree in communications, it didn't teach us journalism. It taught us performance. That's why sitting behind well, a microphone, sitting behind in a radio station, was much easier for me to do than stand in front of a TV camera and and actually report on something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think. Uh, uh, and I think that's one of the that's one of the dangers of the communication schools today is is uh, one of the things I'm noticing is that some of these uh, um, young people don't have a clue about grammar. I, I still believe that grammar is very important, and I won't say they don't have a clue, but some of the some of the mistakes are uh, um, uh, um, shocking. Um, I've you know I've heard anchors say I well I've heard people. In in sports uh, uh, broadcasting, some of them say, I should have went instead of I should have gone. Mm-hmm. It's like learning how to conjugate a verb has become a lost art. And now I'm sounding like an old fuddy-duddy, but so what? <laughs> you know, I don't care. Well, I agree I, with I, you. I, I believe in the English language and knowing how to speak it. And, and then the other thing that's ruining it, too, is... Um 140 characters or less that you're wiring on social media, so you're taking shortcuts. 
And I think if you're taking no, shortcuts no. there, you're going to be taking shortcuts in your daily when you when you speak verbally, instead of doing it in a in a uh, grammatically correct way. You're looking for shortcuts. Well, there's there's uh, one one of my pet peeves is when you say how are you and someone says I'm good and I'm like, really, you're you're good versus you're bad. You know, because that's an adjective. I'm good. Like, I'm a good person mm -hmm. instead of saying I'm. So it's an instance where what is proper, what is what is 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 actually that way because it makes sense. It's more descriptive. If you say I'm fine or I'm well, that's descriptive. It's, it, it, it's different than saying I'm good. Like, I'm a good girl. No, I'm bad. I'm a bad girl. So or woman. So mm -hmm. I just. I don't know. So we're going down the rabbit hole on that. And on this, I need to let you go because I have got uh, I have got two very hungry dogs that need to be fed, and uh, um, and then and then then you know let out. So, uh, um, um, but Bill, thank you very much. God, I had no idea when you asked me an open ended question on who are you. You, you, I talk for 10 minutes because who I am is, is, is everyone has a complicated story. Everyone does. And, and but not everybody gets asked the question to, 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 to historically put themselves in, in, in some kind of contact. Well, so. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And again, um, go take care of your dog. I took care of my, I have a puppy now. I have a shepherd, shepherd mix that is uh, the newest addition to my house. So I know what that's like when you have to get it on that feeding and walking schedule. So uh, go ahead and take care of that. And we can do this any other time that you have available between your multiple trips you're going to be taking this year, because there's a lot of more things that I'd love to talk about. And I know my audience would be interested in also. Okay, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that, Bill. Happy to do that. Thank you very much. And, and, and by the way, this is the thing. When you're sitting on the phone talking, not talking to a person, uh -huh. you just keep talking. I'm sitting here watching the weather on my television. It's, what it is, is it's, you know, it's the cable where they have pictures of mountains and yes. lakes and Monday's forecast and, and what the NFL is tomorrow. So I'm watching that and I'm just babbling and I'm like, oh my God, is this boring? <laughs> Anyway. And, and, and you know what? No, it's not. It, it's wonderful. And again, you've, you've just a lot of things that you've talked about. I don't think a lot of people realize and your openness and your willingness to share it with us. I think is very important. So I appreciate that. Well, I'm retired now, so I can't. But you're not going to see me gutting myself on, on social media. Not 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 quite. I don't think. So. Well, anyway, I hope not, because I I, I I I've been using social media for a long time now, and I still don't put myself all the way out there because I'm afraid that someday it's going to come back and bite me. And I really don't want that to happen. Well, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you there. All right. Well, listen, Bill, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh you know, let some time pass before you, you know, your viewer, your viewers, excuse me, your <laughs> listeners have to suffer me again. But, uh, but, but keep in touch. I will okay? do that. Sally, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. You have a Thank great you. night. Bye-bye. Happy New you Year, too. Bye-bye. Oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sally Wigan, former anchor of WTAE, here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Time flies when you're having fun. Getting ready to wrap up a program here on YouTube and also on online with BillAlexander.com and on Fayette TV, Channel 77. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, 
I had the opportunity to talk with Sally, like I said, a few months ago, and she's just a wonderful individual to talk to. And I've read the articles about her, and I listened to her on other programs, and her willingness to share with us is just, in my opinion, downright amazing. So again, thank you, Sally Wiggin, for joining us. We'll have you on sometime in the uh, coming year again, and we'll talk more about it, because we just scratched the surface. <laughs> of what I wanted to talk about because she was just so open and sharing her life with us and everything else. So everybody, I appreciate you joining me this evening. If you uh, like to uh, give me a call either on the program or off the program, the number is 724. Actually, you know what? For those of you watching um, on the internet right now, I can do something. I can put it right there. The number is 724-505-1955. Again, that's 724-505-1955. And you can get a hold of me leave a message if there's anything you want to talk about on a future program or whatever it is please let me know and also big news coming this weekend on uh, America's Classic Standards is now going to two hours on WMCK.FM. We uh, just got expanded today, and we'll be starting Saturdays at 5 to 7, and then Mondays we uh, bump up and we add two hours there, and also at Wednesdays, we're going from 8 until 10, So, and that's in the morning. So if you get up that early, you can listen. But again, America's Classic Standards on WMCK.FM. You can check out that website, AmericanClassicStandards.com, and don't forget to check out this program and any other program we may do at OnlineWithBillAlexander.com. And oh, by the way, I found a hard drive with old interviews on it, and I started posting them. So I'm really excited. I'll be able to share those with you with you uh, real soon. So everybody, you have a great night, great morning, great afternoon whenever you're watching this. Thank you for joining me and again. Thank you for our guest, Sally Wiggin, for being a part of the program this evening here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Well, I'm tired and I gotta go home. I'm tired and I gotta go home. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to VisitWilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace. Yours. Visit a live archaeological dig site on the very grounds where America began. Or walk the fields where our country was won. Live like a colonial by day or track 18th century ghosts by night. For all the history to be found here, there's plenty more to make for yourself. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com.